Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing today? They did a good, good job on the worship today. Wasn't that awesome? They did really good. Hey, happy Father's Day. It is Father's Day, and uh, I thought I'd take a little break today from our study in First uh, Timothy and talk about this uh, just because a few things kind of stood out to me as I was thinking about it this week. But I want to start with a question. What, what makes a happy dad? What makes a happy dad? Pardon? A happy mom. <laughs> Long hair? No. What makes a happy dad? On Father's Day, let's put it that way. What makes a happy dad? Good children? Okay. What? Coffee. Food. Come on, you guys can do better than this. I know that. A good job. We're talking about what makes a happy dad on Father's Day. Let's be a little more specific here. Well, I didn't think this was going to be so difficult. I didn't think this was going to be so difficult. Yes. Mm, to be with your kid. Now we're starting to warm up a little bit here. That's my daughter. What else? Recognition. Okay. What else? How about some practical things? Huh? What does what does dad expect? A tie. A tie, gross. What else? What do you what do you owe your dad when you get home today? A hug. Right. What else? If he's not there. Phone call. The the phone lines light up this this day. Mother's Day actually much higher. Used to be, you know, uh, when they didn't have quite the volume that they could handle, you know, Mother's Day, you, you know, you'd get on to try to call home, right, and lines are all busy, you know, can't get through kind of thing. It was never quite so, um, quite so much on Father's Day. What, what's up with that? I, I heard on the way in here today that, you know, Mother's Day, you know, was somebody had the idea this should happen back in the 1800s, and then it took about three years till it caught on. And then someone else had the brilliant idea of to do Father's Day. And it took like 15 years to catch on. Like, what is up with that? Anyways, these kinds of things, you know, some kind of contact, a phone call, a hug, some love. Maybe even lunch. What about that? Kids? I think, I think uh, and this is kind of inferred by what people said, though, I think this idea uh, to have peace between a father and child is pretty important. To have peace. Where there's not this conflict, there's not this issue, there's not some kind of problem. Now, some of us have kids, some of us are dads here, but we all have a dad, right? Or we wouldn't be here. These are important things, and, and we usually we apply these things how, how, you know, how they would apply to our earthly fathers, but today I want to apply that, and Chris didn't know what I was going to talk about, but some of the songs he picked were, were just like that, to apply them to our heavenly father, you see. 
that, you know, that God is our, our uh, can you put that on there for me, uh, Nick? Where's Nick? Can you just put that on the, there we go. Um, so, oh, you know, it helps if I turn it on. Yeah, yeah that, that usually helps better. There we go. What makes a happy dad? We already talked about that. But today I want to talk about God, our father, and that he's the best father. Right? He's the best father ever. Right? He is the best father ever. And, and, and you know what? I want to read to you from Isaiah 63. It says, but you are our father, though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are, are our Father, our Redeemer from of, of old is your name. You are our Father. Now, we, you know, we learn the Lord's Prayer, right? And it starts off how? Our Father, depending on what version you learned it in. Our Father, which art in heaven. And it starts with our Father. And Jesus kind of taught us that, that this is how we would pray. And this is an important thing. In the... Uh, 14 times in the epistles, it says grace, grace and peace to you from God our Father or God the Father. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. And, and uh, in the Gospel of John, he really kind of focuses on this. And so much of it, most of it is what Jesus, when Jesus would say uh, about his Father, he said my Father or the Father or or, or these kinds of things, 58 times in the Gospel of John, uh, the Father is referred to. That's huge. That's huge. Now, you know, my, my story, and, and most of you know my story, but, but you know, just to, just to uh, kind of tie it into what we're talking about here today, uh, my father, my earthly father, was an alcoholic, and he was not a good person, and and uh, my parents ended up getting divorced. And, and so for many, many years, I kind of just had this, this kind of lost sense, right? And not knowing why, not understanding. Because when you're a kid, you don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. Why do you feel this kind of sense of lost? And, and then when I, when I, my mom did remarry, and, and he was a, he's a good guy, and, and and he was, he was there for me in a lot of ways. But I'd spent all these years, really. And when I came to know uh, Jesus as my Savior, one of the things that affected me in my life was that I, I now had a Father in heaven. And he was like the, the best Father. He was like the one who was always there for me. And, and uh, in Psalm 68, it talks about the fact that he's the Father to the fatherless. That God is the Father to the fatherless. Now we all, you know, as I said, we all have fathers, but even the best of fathers will let us down at, at times. Isn't that true? Even the very best of, of fathers will let us down at times, but God the Father, God our Father will never, ever, ever let us down. That doesn't mean he always gives us what we want, right? Right? You, you, you can do a study about this, and this is not where I'm going today, but the fact that, you know, he's a father that disciplines us, and, and the best fathers will discipline their children. You can read about that, Hebrews chapter 12. The, the father that takes care of us, he provides for us, he does all these things for us. 
But I want to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 first. Two passages I want to look at today. One here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 16. And then after that we're going to look at, at Luke chapter 15. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. I was just reading this in my, in my uh, daily reading, daily devotion, and it just stuck out to me. And again, this is why I chose to go this direction today, really. Uh, verse 16, he says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. What stood out to me, what stands out to me even now, is God our Father. He says, these two, and he goes on to say to encourage your hearts, these two together, the Lord, the, the Father, and the Son. But, but he, he emphasizes here in the second half of this verse that God our Father, He loved us, and by His grace, He gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Now, how many of us need all those things? Number one, it says that he loved us. He loves you. He loves me. And then it says, by his grace, and grace is, is giving to us something that we do not deserve. It's not like a father where we have to earn his favor. Grace is unmerited favor. It's, it's favor that's given to us without merit. And so unmerited favor that he loved us and by his grace he gave us these two things. He gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. How many of you need some encouragement in your life? Like once in your life? Like every day in your life? Once a week? I think I need it every single day. And I need it tomorrow. I need it next month. I need it next year. And, and notice what he says here. He says eternal encouragement. Eternal encouragement. He's going to encourage you and I forever. Or as they say around here, forever. Forever. You don't say the R's. I just moved here. Forever. He's given, a, he's given eternal encouragement and good hope. And, and I just, I saw those two things and I go, wow, I need those things. I need those things. And I, and, and I, again, was reminded of the fact that he's my father. He's my father in heaven, and he's a good father. And he's given to me encouragement every single day. And he's given me good hope. Good hope. I love that. Just those, think about that for yourself. Do you need some hope in your life? You need some good hope. I guess there is such a thing as bad hope. But that's not what we need. We need good hope. So much that he gives to us, so much that he, as a father in heaven, that, that he is our father, that he does for us to make us happy, to bless us, to do things for you and for me. So I was thinking about it, and I, I was thinking, you know, we want him to have a happy Father's Day too, don't we? And, and some of the things that I mentioned earlier, I think some of those same things make a happy father, make him a happy father. Some of those things, contact, a hug, a phone call. We don't call it a phone call, we call it a what? 
a prayer, but it's really just a conversation where there's some contact, as someone said, and, and this idea of, of having some kind of relationship. One of the most, I think, powerful passages in all the scripture I want to turn today is, is the one I'm in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. And, and I just love this passage. It's, it's so powerful to me. It's so uh, applicable to me and to all of us, really. At one time or another, we're, we're all distant. At one time or another, we're all on our own. We're all doing our own thing. We're all at, you know, at one time or another, we're at odds with him. And really, it's all about Return. Return. Let's turn there, Luke chapter 15, and just read this account because Jesus, uh, you know, gave us this parable. It's called a parable, but, you know, Jesus didn't tell stories just to tell stories. He told stories because they meant something and they had application to us as human beings. The previous uh, two uh, Parables were, you know, about the lost sheep and the lost coin and how happy heaven is. He says when one sinner repents, one sinner returns. And then he gave us this parable of the lost son or the prodigal son as we know it uh, better. I don't think that there's anything that would make him happier to, to, to have this kind of relationship that he had. Restored relationship that he had with the son. It's just, it's so powerful. We're going to read it together and just go uh, step by step. But the thing that, that stands out to me, and I want to point this out, is that, that he's waiting. You know, that he's watching. And, and that stands out over and over again when I read this, that the father's there, he's waiting and he's watching. Look at verse 11. It says there, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. He had two sons. And they're both very different. Both uh, you know, had different personalities. And, you know, if you have children, you know that they're all very different. But, but each one had a special relationship. Each one had a relationship with the father. Verse 12, the younger son, the younger one said to his father, he said, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Isn't that interesting? Basically, he's telling the father, you know, you owe me. And I want my share now. I don't want to wait until you die. I want the money. I want the stuff now. And, and, and really, is that what, it, what it's all about, the stuff? The father, he, it says that he gave it to him. He divided his property between them. He, he, he gave it anyways. Even though, you know, it, it, it was kind of a bad attitude, don't you think? Like, give me my stuff. I want my share. I want it now. Like a spoiled little child would, would say, I want my thing now. But really, he gave it to him anyways, and we see this picture of grace, that he gave him something he really didn't deserve. He gave it to him anyways. And verse 13 says, not long after that, he got all the stuff, he got the money, whatever, the property, the money, it says the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Who moved? Did the father move? 
The father was right there. The father didn't, didn't go anywhere. So who moved? The son did. In our relationship with God, who makes the move? Is it him? No. No, it's never him. He's always there. He's constant. He's, he's faithful. And you and I, we start to wander off. We, we get off on our own, we, and we end up doing what? We end up wasting and squandering. And it affects us. He moved. He went out there and he, he squandered everything in wild living, riotous living, one translation says. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. He began to be in need. That's you know, that's kind of what happens to you and I, too. We, we get out there and we do our own thing. We, we try it all. We, we, we exper- you know, experiment with it all. But until we realize that we have a need, we're not ready to do anything. When we think we got it all together, we think we have everything. But God, I think, allows the Father, our Father, allows us to get to that place so many times where we, we realize, you know, I am, I am in need. And he got to that place and he realized, I am in need. God allows those things in our lives for us to get to that place. Okay, you want to go out and do your thing? Okay, here you go. Go for it. Then we get out there and we're on our own. We're we're living it up. But we find that it doesn't actually fit the bill, does it? We find that it doesn't meet the need. And we find ourselves in need. So, so often. You see, I believe, I believe this applies to me just as much as it does to anyone who would go off and, and get crazy. We can be a pastor of a church. We can be a, a solid member of a fellowship and, and yet still kind of wander off on, to do our own thing. Is that true? You think? Is that possible? Not here. No, no, you guys are all solid right in there, right? It's me. I'm the one. The truth is, it's all of us, isn't it? It's every one of us. That's why Jesus tells these parables. So verse 15 there says that, that he, he went out. He's in need now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of it. I'm going to do something. So he went out and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. I could take care of myself. And the citizen did what? He sent him to his field, to his fields to feed pigs. He sent him to his field, his fields to feed pigs. I don't know about you, but that does not sound very appetizing to me. That doesn't sound like something that I would want to find myself doing, feeding pigs. You ever been around pigs? Pigs are gross. And they, they make a mess and they stink. But verse 16 says that he longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He wasn't even allowed to eat the gross stuff that the pigs eat. Now, you know, how far can we go before we realize How far do we need to go when we're in the pig pen feeding the pigs and we can't even eat what the pigs get to eat? 
How far do we got to get out there before we realize, what am I doing out here? I remember this story happened when we first came to New England. This is a long, long time ago. And uh, we, I was looking for a job, and, and I couldn't find a job. And, and uh, I, had, I had went and uh, talked to this guy, and he said, he said well, uh, I got a job for you, uh, but it's in Rhode Island. And at the time, I didn't know that we were going to be in Rhode Island. I thought we were going to be down on Cape Cod. And he was down on Cape Cod, and it was a, a store, furniture store. And so I went to him, and I said, listen, do you, do you, I need a job. I need a job here. And we still, again, hadn't quite landed here. And, and he, said, he said, well, I got a job for you, but I got a job for you. It's in Rhode Island. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to Rhode Island. I'm going to Cape Cod, this beautiful little picture picturesque, you know, New England town. It's just beautiful. I'm, I'm going there. And uh, so he said, okay, whatever. So I went, and finally I found a job working for a guy picking up trash, right? Now, that's not a bad job, if, you know, but it was part-time, and all I could do for him was I'd, I'd get his truck, and then I'd go to, a, like, a job site or whatever, and I would just pick up all the trash, right? And so I'm there picking up this trash one day, and I, and I just struck, thought just struck me, like, what are you doing? This guy wants to give you a job. And it start, you know, in my mind, it started to come together, like, oh, maybe I am supposed to go to Rhode Island. Duh. And so, sure enough, I got that job, and it was a good job, and, and and God opened up all the other doors for us to come here. And, and we've been here uh, almost ever since. I did leave for one year. That was a big mistake, too. That's another story. But look at verse uh, 17. Look what it says there in verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here... I am starving to death. It's like he came to his senses. He, he like woke up. And that's kind of what I experienced out there in that, in picking up that trash. It just kind of woke up like, what am I doing? Is this what God has for me? And this man, it says he thought of his father. He came to his senses and who did he think of? He didn't think of the citizen who was, you know, Helping him to feed his pigs, he thought of his father. His thoughts went back to his father. Verse 18 and 19 says this, I will set out and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. He came to his senses and, and what he did, he humbled himself. What keeps us from going back? What keeps us from making things right with people and with God, our Father? It's our own pride, isn't it? It's our own pride. Well, you know, I, I, I asked him for my part of the inheritance. I went out and I'm doing my own thing, and now I have to go back to him and say, well, I guess I didn't know what I was doing. I guess I was an idiot. 
you know, with, with relationships with people, how often do we need to humble ourselves and say, you know what, I guess I was kind of mean, or I guess I was kind of uh, unaware of what was going on in the situation in our relationship. I guess I really didn't have it together. But it requires us to humble ourselves. That's what he did here. He, he humbled himself. So he went back and he went to the Father. He said, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. That's what his plan was. So verse 20, what does it say there? It says in verse 20, so he got up and he went to his father. He got up and he went to his father. He, he finally, he made the move, right? He made the move. He got up. And there comes a point in time where we need to get up and we need to do what we need to do. We need to make that step, whatever it is that we might be, whatever, whatever it is that we might need to do. So he got up and he went to his father. But look at the next part. and This is where the whole story hinges. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. That is the most powerful picture, I think. He was still a long way off. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us two things, really. One is that he had gotten very far away. But secondly, it tells us that his father was watching his father was waiting. He was looking out to see, where is my son? Where is my son? Where is my son? And his father saw him, and his father was filled with compassion. And again, Jesus isn't telling this story just on a human level. He's telling us about our father in heaven. He was filled with compassion. Not condemnation. Like some of us would say, well, you rotten kid. You got everything you deserved, you know? I gave you everything, and, and you know what? You deserve to be out there feeding pigs, you rotten little scoundrel of a son. Say, we, we, we think that's kind of funny, but you know what? Does that not happen to us today in this world? Where parents are, are, are you know, like that? I'm not saying that we excuse our children's behavior by any means, but there needs to be compassion. And especially if they humble themselves in return. There must be compassion and mercy. And that's what the father did. And so he gave him that compassion. It says there in verse 7, it says that he ran to his son. He didn't walk to his son. He didn't, you know, wait for his son to come to him, which, you know, that's kind of what we would do so often. We would say, you know what, I'm going to wait until he comes to me. But he saw him out there in the distance, and he ran to meet him. That's, that's phenomenal. That is incredible. Again, this is the picture that Jesus is painting for you and for me about the father and the son. The next thing it says there is that his father threw his arms around him and his father kissed him. I don't know about you, but when I read, when I read this and, and looking at this, this is a happy father to me. This is a happy father. All, the, all that time that his, that his son was out there, there was something missing in his life. 
But when he came back, this is a happy father. The son then, verse 21, it says, he, he says those words that we've already read there. Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer to be worthy, worthy to be called your son. He says those words that he had planned on saying. And the father could have said, you know, okay, all right. You've got to kind of work your way back up again. We're going to get you to start at the bottom. You can feed my pigs now. And you kind of work your way back up into my good graces, we would say. Is that what he did? No, not at all. He said, no way. That is not happening. That is not happening. He says, get the best robe. Get the ring. Get the sandals. Verse 22. Bring the best robe. Quick, he says. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and, and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's celebrate. This is a happy father. I don't, I don't know about you, but this is a happy father. There was a... Spanish story about a father and a son who had become estranged and the son ran away and the father set off to find him and he searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper and the ad read this. Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. Put an ad in the paper. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. That's how big the problem is. That's, that's how big the issue is. This one came back. The father was waiting. I wonder, I wonder what the father had said to him when he left, you know, that, I, that I'll always be here for you, or, or, or did he say something? It doesn't tell us that. But looking at the context and, and looking at what, how he did respond when his son came back, I think that, that his son knew that, that he was going to be there for him, no matter what. And I want you to know that our, that our Heavenly Father is going to be there for us, for you and for me, no matter what. He's going to be there. And he is going to run to meet us, not away from us, but to us. This is a happy father. Verse 24, he says, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. He was lost. He's found. They began to celebrate. This is a happy father now. Why was he so happy? Because his son had returned. He had this contact. He had this relationship. He had, he had this, this restoration between the two of them. He was with him. He was in his life. It didn't really matter what had happened. Oh, you know, was there fruit that would come? Yeah, there's fruit that comes from our bad decisions or whatever, but it didn't matter to the father in this particular situation. You know, he's, it didn't matter. All that mattered was that he was back. That's all that mattered was that he was back. Verse 25. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the older son was in the field. 
Somebody, somebody asked the question, you know, in, in Sunday school, and the teacher, you know, told us the story of the prodigal son, and, and she asked, was anyone sorry when the prodigal son returned? And one boy answered, the fatted calf. <laughs> well, that's probably true. But I don't think that's what we're seeing here. The, the brother, the brother, it says, when he came near the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what was going on? What's going on here? What's happening? How come I wasn't consulted with this? Verse 27, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. This is an angry bird, I think. Now you'd think, you know, his brother has been out. Wouldn't he have some sort of gladness of some way? Some people, you know, in dealing with this whole uh, parable, they, you can focus and, and have a whole deal uh, about the older brother and kind of looking at it from his perspective and like what is going on with him, that he was really the guy that, that this whole thing was for, that he had this bad attitude, and, and, and he certainly did. But the father didn't just squash him down either. Look what it says. It says that his father went out and pleaded with him. His father went to him and said, listen, he pleaded with him, but he answered his father, verse 29, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. He's not happy. He sees his father happy, but he's not happy. Who was he more, more concerned about? Himself. That's, that usually gets us into trouble anyways when it's all about I. And you read it and then they're I, me, I, my. But first, verse 31, the father answers. He says, my son, my son. See, he had this relationship with the other son and, and he was gone and he came back and there was this restoration. But he had a relationship with this son's too, son too. And he said, my son. I, you know, there was emotion in that. My son. My son. He says, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, he was happy. This father was very, very happy with the fact that his prodigal had come back. He was, that made him a happy father. But I believe he was just as happy with the son who stayed. We're all very different. And God, you know, looks at us. He understands, you know, each one of us. We're all very different. And he, and he sees and, and has a relationship with you and with me. And they're all very different. But, but he's happy with his children. 
So where are we in all this? The fact of the matter is, and again, this parable wasn't just for someone who goes way off. It's for every one of us that the Father is always there for us. The Father loves us. The Father will give us that, as I read in the beginning there, that eternal encouragement and good hope. And if we wander away, he waits and he watches. But the truth of the matter is he's only a step away. He's only a step away, always, always. I want to finish with a story uh, that I read about the uh, 1992 Olympics uh, that were held in Barcelona. And it says this, that the, the world watched as a parable of the Father's love was played out on international television. As the gun sounded for the 400-meter race, uh, Great Britain's Derek Redman knew that his lifelong dream of winning the gold medal was in view. But as he entered the backstretch, Redman was sent sprawling by the ripping pain of a torn hamstring. And by an act of sheer will, he struggled to his feet in excruciating pain, and he began hopping toward the finish line. Suddenly, Derek's father bounded out of the stands past a security guard. This is his father. He threw his arms around his son. And in a voice choked with emotion, he whispered, Come on, son, let's finish this together. And the, the crowd cheered and they wept as they watched the father half carrying his wounded son jerkily down the stretch and across the finish line. I think he's saying that to you and me. Let's finish that together. Let's finish this together. He doesn't want us to be on our own. He doesn't want us to be trying to make it, trying to do our own thing. He wants us to, he wants us to finish the race, but he, he realizes that we're kind of lame. But he's going to hold on to us. He's going he's to run to us and carry us. Let's finish this together. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that you are the best Father. I, Lord, we, how could we make it without you? I don't know how I could have made it through all these years without you being my Father. I couldn't. I couldn't have. And you've been so faithful. You've been faithful when I've tried to do it on my own and gone off and done my thing. And you've been patient, waiting and watching. And you've been willing to restore and, and give your love and your encouragement and your hope. Willing to pick me up and, and say, let's, let's finish this together. Much better that way. I pray for each person here this morning, Father. You know, you know who we are. You know which one of these two sons we might actually uh, better identify with, the, the younger one or the older one, or maybe somewhere in between, but, but each of us has a relationship with you, and, and I can hear your voice saying, my son, my daughter. Don't you know? Don't you know I love you? Don't you know? I want to walk with you. I want to help you. Trust me. Trust me. Father, I also 
want to pray this morning for any who are still kind of out there without any relationship with you, that you want to have a relationship with each and every one of us, and it's through your son Jesus that makes it possible. You sent your son because you loved us, and he gave his life so that we could have that relationship with you. And so we, we come to the son, and we say, Jesus, we say, please save me. Please restore my relationship. Give me a brand new relationship with the Father in heaven that, that I might have him as my Father, my heavenly Father, for, uh, forever and ever, eternally. And I might have that eternal encouragement and that good hope. Again, for each one of us, it's a simple prayer, simple, a yielding of our hearts to him. Father, again, we, we say to you, Happy Father's Day, and we, we thank you that you're there. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you that we have, or we can have, a good relationship with you because of what you did through your son Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?